Chapter Eleven of *The Cave in the Mountain* by Edward Ellis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven, Through the Mountains. The moon was high in the sky, and as it was near midnight, O'Rooney, who had taken upon himself the task of guiding the Mustang, continued him on up the ridge directly toward the spot where Fred had lain so long watching the action of the Apaches gathered around the opening of the cave. The Mustang walked along quite obediently, seeming to feel the load no more than if it was only one half as great. But those animals are like their native masters, cunning and treacherous, ready to take advantage of their riders whenever it happens to come in their way. "'Which is the reason I cautions you to be ready for a fall?' said Mickey, after referring to some of the peculiarities of these steeds of the southwest. "'The minute he gets it into his head that we ain't paying attention, he'll rear up on his four feet and walk along that way for half a mile. Not having any saddle, we'll have to slide over his neck, unless I can brace me feet against his ears and ride along standing straight up. The constant expectation of being flung over the head of a horse is not the most comforting sensation that one can have, and the lad clung fast to his friend in front, determined not to go unless in his company. Upon reaching the top of the ridge, the horse was reined up for a few minutes as Mickey, like the mariner at sea, was desirous of taking an observation so as to prevent himself going astray. "'Can you remember how you were placed?' asked the lad, after he had spent several minutes in the survey. "'That is, do you know which way to go for the horse you left eating grass?' "'I was a little puzzled at first, as me father observed to the school teacher when he said I had been a good boy. "'But I see how it is now. "'It must have been that I got a little turned round when I was down in the basement of these mountains. "'But I see how it is now.' right yonder he added pointing toward the northwest is where i left my horse and there is where i hope i'll find him again is the road so that we can ride the mustang all the way there or must we walk i remember i come right along some kind of a path made by animals after leaving the beast i suppose it's the route taken by the creatures and going to the water for there's a splendid spring right there and the path that I was just telling you about leads straight to it. Then keep the horse from throwing us off, and we're all right. After we find your horse, Mickey, or don't find him, what are we to do then? Sit sail for New Boston? But we can't ride through these mountains if we don't find the pass. And the same is what we're going to do, barring that it hasn't been lost yet. "'Are you sure you know the way to it from where you left your horse? "'I've been hunting for it for hours, but couldn't any more tell where it was than the man in the moon. "'What course would you have to take to reach it?' "'Right off yonder,' replied Mickey, pointing to the left. "'And I was sure it was here,' said Fred, pointing his hand in nearly an opposite direction. "'Which the same is good reason why you're wrong. "'When you get lost and think you're on the right way, you may be sure that you're wrong.' And after figuring the whole thing over and getting certain of the right course, all you've got to do is not to take it, and you're certain of saving yourself. Then, according to that, you ought not to take the route which you said is the right one. I'm speaking for lost spalpains like yourself, said Mickey severely. I haven't been lost since I parted company with Soot Simpson, 
and begorra that minds me that we ought to say something of him just look round and observe whether he is standing anywhere beckoning to us both used their eyes to the extent of their ability but were unable to discover anything that bore a suspicious resemblance to a man so far as they could judge they were entirely alone in this vast solitude do you expect to meet sut very soon of course i do why shouldn't i but he went another way from you altogether after lone wolf that's just it he went another way and went wrong and he has been gone long enough to find out the same and he will turn back and follow you as soon as he finds he's wrong he'll go right and as i went right he'll be on my heels but you know both of us have strayed a good deal off the track and we have travelled in many places where we haven't made the slightest trail how is he going to follow us then the irishman gave utterance to a scornful exclamation i've been with that suit simpson long enough to larn something i've seen some specimens of what he can do rocks don't make no difference to him when he gets on the track of a wild bird if it don't take extra pains to dodge and double he'll follow its trail through the air oh he's there all the time and the wonder with me is that he hasn't turned up before what would he have done had he come along and found us both in the cave and the apaches watching he would have tracked that wolf back to his hole come in and fetched us out and then slipped up behind the six and tumbled them all in like so many tin-pins if he's such a wonderful man as that it's a pity we couldn't have kept him with us all the time and if we do run against him we can afford to stop thinking about apaches as they will be of no account yes all right but the trouble is to find him as the man said when the british government condemned john mitchell and him thousands of miles away in america this tramping about at night in the mountains isn't the easiest way to discover a man and it's him that will have to find us instead of we him but we'll keep it up if the apache mustang which they were riding meditated any mischief he seemed to be of the opinion that the occasion was not the most suitable he walked along with great docility and care picking his way with a skill that was wonderful several times they approached places where it seemed impossible for an equine to go forward but the horse scarcely hesitated toiling onward like an alpine chamois until at last they drew up in a small valley through the middle of which ran a small stream that sparkled brightly in the moonlight here we are said mickey here's the spot where i left my creature a couple of days ago and where i don't see him just now use your eyes a bit and tell me whether you observe him fred was scarcely less anxious than his friend to recover the steed for recalling his experience in that line he had good reason to mistrust indian horses it would be very awkward when they should find a party of apaches howling and rushing down upon them to have the animal turn calmly about and trot back to his former friends carrying his two riders into captivity or leaving them to shift for themselves nothing could be seen of the creature but there was a fringe of wood on the opposite side where he might be concealed and mickey slid off the blanket with the intention of hunting for him don't let this spurpeen give you the slip he cautioned the lad as he gave the lariat into his hand 
for if mine is gone, this is the only one we have to depend on, and we can't spare him. Fred felt a little uncomfortable when he found himself alone and astride of the fiery steed, which pricked up his ears as though he meditated mischief. But the horse seemed to think better of it, and continued so quiet that the young rider ventured to transfer his attention from him to Mickey, who was moving across the open space in the direction of the wood upon the opposite side. The moonlight was so clear that he could be as plainly seen almost as if it were midday. As he moved along, he brought his rifle around to the front so that he could use it at a moment's need, for he could not but see the probability that if his horse had been lately disturbed, it was likely that those who did so were still in the vicinity, and no place was more likely to be used for a covert than that same patch of timber which he was approaching. "'Be the powers, but it looks a little pokerish.' he said to himself, slowing his gait and surveying the wood with no little distrust. There might be a dozen of the spalpeens slapin' there with one eye open, or all sitting up and expecting me. He had proceeded so far, however, that it was as dangerous to turn back as it was to go on, for if any enemies were there, they were so close at hand that they could easily capture or shoot him before he could reach his horse. He was scarcely moving and doing his utmost to penetrate the deep shadow when, beyond all question, he heard a movement among the trees. He paused, as if he had been shot, and cocked his rifle, looking toward the point from whence came the noise. "'Easy there, now,' he said in a solemn voice. "'I won't stand any of your tricks. I'm savage, and when I'm that way I'm dangerous, so if yez are there, speak out.' or else come out like a man and tell me your name, for the token of which mine is Mickey O'Rooney from Ireland. This characteristic summons produced no response, and feeling the peculiar peril of his exposed position, the Irishman determined upon changing it and securing the shelter of a tree for himself. It was not prudent to move directly toward the spot which gave forth the rustling sound, as that would be likely to draw out a shot from a foe if he desired to avoid a personal encounter. Accordingly, the Irishman made what might be termed a flank movement by turning to the right, running rapidly several paces, and then diving in among the trees as though he were plunging into the water for a bath. The few minutes occupied in making this change were those which Mickey felt were of great danger, for if he should reach the wood and find himself opposed to but a single man, or even two, the situation would not be so uneven by any means. No shots were fired, and he drew a great sigh of relief when he gained the desired covert. "'Now I can dodge back and forth and work me way up to him," he concluded. And when they stick their heads out from behind the trees, I'll whack em for em, just as we used to do at Donnybrook when the fun began. He waited where he was for some time in the expectation that his foe would reveal himself by an attempt to draw out. But if there is any one thing which distinguishes a scout, whether white or red, at such a time, it is his patience. It is like that of the Eskimos, who will sit for sixteen hours without stirring beside an air-hole in the ice, waiting for a seal to appear. 
Mickey O'Rooney was not burdened with overmuch patience, and acted upon the principle of Mohammed going to the mountain. He began picking his way through the shadows and among the trees, determined to keep forward until the mystery was solved. End of chapter 11 Read by Thomas Rose